Hi, and welcome to my podcast. I am Amanda, and I'm a junior from Wilson. And I have started a new podcast here. You can expect monthly uploads from me here on the Generize Media platform. Just a little bit about myself just to get started. So like I said, I'm 17 years old and a junior in high school in Wisconsin. I absolutely hate high school. (laughs) Um, I'm just not a fan. I feel like I've outgrown it and just uh, I kind of never fit in. So I guess that's kind of my personality. (laughs) I don't know. I also do speech and debate in high school, which totally makes me seem like a nerd. And I would try to um, deny that. But like I just said, I'm in speech and debate. So (laughs) Uh, I also am in the youth and government program, which I love with my entire heart. If you're listening to this and have not looked into the youth and government program in your area, please do. It is my favorite thing in the entire world. Also, I love to cook and eat both equally as much. And my favorite thing in the entire world is to get a cup of coffee at my local coffee shop and talk politics with my best friend. So why exactly have I started this podcast? So I've started this podcast and joined the Generize Media team because, first of all, I love to talk. And I'm sure that my English class in school and my family are both equally annoyed at how much I talk, especially about politics. I also love talking about politics and current events, as well as I really want to learn and hear from others. And I just think that this is an awesome platform to do that. Um... So today's topic, just to kind of jump right into it, I'm trying to avoid rambling here. Today's topic is COVID-19 and the impact it has on students and mental All right, first I will interview my economics teacher, Mr. Shattuck. Then I will talk to my good friends and fellow junior, Sophia Barnett from Texas. And finally, I will talk to a senior from my high school and one of my close mentors, Endemazia Funkum. All right, let's jump right in. yourself and kind of explain what classes you teach and things like that? Sure. Um, My name is Andy Shattuck. Um, I teach at Appleton North High School, which is a school of about 1800. Um, I teach two courses. I teach um, freshmen or ninth graders uh, in civics or government class. And then I also teach economics to uh, mainly juniors and seniors, which is an intro course. All right, awesome. Which, on a side note, I took both of those classes, and they were super, super fun. So, she's, all right, she's so lying. she's lying. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, how has being online changed it? Changed or like impacted your ability to teach your students? Um. Well, we kind of got notification um, with about five days of of prep time, basically. So, my first thing was, um, especially for my econ students, is it's only a semester based course. Uh, originally, they kind of told us it was going to be a three to four week shutdown, and then it obviously turned into the rest of the school year, which is about, a, um, I think we we're just about to get into fourth quarter. Um, so I, I kind of basically lost half of my uh, my semester with my econ class and then a quarter of my year with my civics class. Uh, so it kind of made me uh, really strip down and um, kind of put a skeleton curriculum together as fast as I could possibly do it. Um, and, and it really made me feel bad for some of the detail that was going to be lost for some of my students, um, especially my econ class and even my civics class. We do a lot of simulation learning, um, especially at this point in the year. And it, it just kind of made me 
Uh, if you realize that that type of learning was going to have to go out the window and it's going to have to become a little more bare bones for my students. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so how many students are actually doing your online work compared to like the amount of participation you get inside of class? Um, I would say it's, it's pretty similar actually. Um, we're getting, I'm, my numbers have been about two thirds most of the way, um, for both freshmen and uh, juniors and seniors. Um, you get a typical group of um, kids that just are really reluctant learners, don't tend to be really motivated learners. And that can be from a wide variety of things when you're in person uh, learning, in school learning, traditional style. That's, um, that's normal. But this has brought on a whole different uh, realm of things for kids. Um, you really don't know what home life is like. Some kids are watching siblings. Some kids are um, struggling with isolation emotions. Some families are really struggling with either illness right now, loss of work, uh, financial strain. Uh, parents are stressed. Students are stressed. So it's really, um, you really don't understand a, a lot about each family at this point because we don't see them. But I'm, I'm seeing about two thirds of kids complete stuff. Oh, that's really good. So do the students that aren't completing it, do you have any kids like reaching out to you and explaining their situation or do you just have to assume just based on the fact that you don't see them? Um, kind of the protocol has been uh, if, if kids aren't turning in work, I'll send them a personal email. Um, I will send an email to one of their deans to try to get in touch with them. Um, I've had about four or five students get in touch with me that have really been struggling uh, for a lot of things. They're just they don't like online learning. They feel lost. Uh, they feel like there's really just not a lot of um, uh, capability for them, um, or they're just so bogged down with the amount of work from other classes. So um, I've had about five students had direct conversations with me that I've that have really been struggling uh, through Google Meet. Um, but most of the kids were trying to communicate with via email. Yeah, that makes sense. So, but in terms of like a teacher's perspective, how has doing distance learning and making all your lesson plans online and that sort of thing, how has that impacted you either as a teacher or honestly just in general? Um, I think it's really been, it's been hard in two ways. Um, one, you have so much that you typically cover um, in a week of, of classroom time and we get 48 minutes with you guys and um you, Amanda, have been in my class twice, and my, my typical rule is I don't do a lot of out-of-class work, but my typical rule yeah. has been I get 48 minutes with you a day. Those are the most important 48 minutes for me that, that day with that class, so I expect to get as much done in that class time as we can, and then on, on after that, we won't have a lot of out-of-class work. Um, basically, what I've done is I've kind of brought that back to, okay, what are two to three activities or two to three kind of short lessons that I would have done in a week and kind of bare bones that. So um, most of my classes are getting about two to three online assignments, whether that's a reading, a video clip, or a little um, kind of activity that they have to do on their own. So it, it equates to about probably 40 minutes of work a week, which is, I think, appropriate for just kind of what's going on. The second part of that is um, I'm used to when I leave my house at 6.45 in the morning and I'm at work, I'm not, I don't have to worry as much about being my dad role or being a husband. I don't have to worry about feeding my kids. I have three um, young students or young students. I have three young kids. 
Um, I have a four-year-old, a two-year-old, and a newborn that's about four months old. So uh, between my wife as a teacher too, we've both kind of had to trade off who's working on what, who's grading when, who's feeding the kids lunch, who's building Legos, uh, who's making Play-Doh, who's helping my four-year-old with his kind of writing activities. So um, not only that, it's it's been challenging to be a parent um, and then also trying to keep my own sanity of um, getting exercise. The weather's been kind of up and down in Appleton, um, just trying to keep sanity like the rest of the country is trying or the world really um, has been a challenge trying to work parent and do all that. So it's been crazy. Yeah. Oh, I can't even imagine just having to be a student is chaotic. I can't even imagine how, having to juggle all well, of we're that. All, I mean, we're all in a different scenario. Everybody's kind of adjusting yeah. and uh, we'll see how long it goes. Hopefully it doesn't last forever, but it's, it's, yeah. who knows? <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you think the solution is to help like you or your students succeed in the future if this goes on a lot further than we've expected? Um, well, we're just kind of, we're kind of making this up as we go right now. Um, I, I, I'm not jealous of any school administrator in this country right now or a principal. <laughs> um, a lot of decisions, you know, you got seniors that have earned this graduation um, I'm a, I'm an athletics coach. I coach track and field in the spring and we lost that season. There's just so many things that are going on right now that it's kind of tackle each thing as it comes each day. Um, I think if this gets into the fall, we're going to see some changes. I think, I think things will be a little bit different. Um, sorry, my son is yelling. Oh, you're so fine. Um, I think we'll see some changes as far as maybe there'll be a little more um, video instruction with each teacher. Uh, maybe there'll be some different things. Um, if I was a betting man, I would assume we're going to end up at this point again sometime. I'm hopeful or not, but um, I just, maybe we start the year and maybe there's a second wave. I don't know. Uh, but just, I think there'll be some changes. I think it'll be a little more organized because we'll have a few months to kind of prep for what this is going to look like moving forward if we find ourselves back in the situation. Yeah, for sure. Kind of survive on your own. We, they, there hasn't been a lot of um, tools other than being given some resources by our tech coaches and it's kind of been um, just flying with that. So that's the second part really is just the amount of workload. It's been very hard to gauge how much should we give kids? What should we be doing? Uh, how much should students yeah. be um, doing in a week? Should they be completing eight hours of schoolwork a day? The district kind of said each class should be about 20 minutes per day, which if you do a whole week ends up about being 100 to 120 minutes. Some of us have been lost on that. And some of us, I think, have been really good on that. So um, yeah, it's moving up to each teacher. Yeah. Um, so I know our, our school district personally just decided on what to do with grades. Do you have like an opinion on that? Do you think that was the best decision? Or do you think that like, what is your kind of opinion on pass-fail versus giving kids a grade? What do you think about all um, that? They sent out our survey, basically. And what, what Appleton's doing is, um, and we're, we're still getting a lot of information. We have some staff meetings uh, via Zoom tomorrow and Monday to kind of clarify for what this means for us in the next, because the school year ends in, what, three, four weeks here? Um, mm -hmm. What Appleton's doing is it's a default pass-fail for credit or no credit with the option for students to um, jump in and take their letter grade that they have earned. Um, 
I would have I, I would have liked to have seen this kind of be um, not course based, but really um, for the entire student portfolio. As far as, uh, for instance, if if Amanda, you were in ELA, um, algebra, and economics, I would like to have seen you had to choose pass fail for all three courses or letter grade for all three courses. Um, but again, there's so many different scenarios right now. I can I can really understand why the district has decided to go with the kind of a la carte uh, method of choosing your style of grading because there's just so many things that have happened to each individual family um, and person over the last two months and will continue to happen over the month of May here that I think it's an appropriate way. I don't, I don't disagree with it. Um, I just kind of felt the other one was a little more suited for my style, but um, I think it's a, it's a good way to approach it for kids. Um, that way, no GPAs are crushed if, if students are struggling, uh, but yet they can still get the credits to move on and uh, graduate. Yeah, I agree. So if all of this goes back to, let's just say, in, a, in, a, in an ideal world, this all goes back to normal by the fall. There's no second wave. How do you see this semester of distance learning affecting either students or teachers? Um, well, I think on the positive side, I think it's really modified some teachers' um, teaching style. I think in, in some positive ways there, it's, it's forced us to really look at technology. Um, I've been really, I was starting to get comfortable um, taping some video lessons when I was on paternity leave. And now I've been really comfortable meeting with Google uh, Meets with students. Uh, for instance, a couple of weeks ago, we did um, an activity on budgeting. Um, I'm sure you remember that, Amanda, where um, <laughs> there was some confusing stuff in there. And if, if you didn't read slowly, it could get confusing real fast. And I was able to meet with students on Google Meet. Um, able to zoom meeting and things. I think it's kind of streamlined some stuff. Um, the negatives, I think it's going to hurt some of our uh, math, math stuff. Um, I, it, we didn't get to many writing skills. Um, I think a lot of our skill-based classwork or coursework might suffer a little bit. Um, if you look at some education models, usually the, the kind of the summer um, curve of that three months off in the summer for most students uh, you see some kind of skills back off and then they boost back up in the fall again. Um, I think we'll see a, maybe a little bit more of that. Um, but if you look, you know, around the, the world and the country, when there's natural disasters, um, hurricanes, tornadoes that close schools down for months or year um, at a time, students still graduate. They still, you know, they, they learn to work hard. You're just learning things in a different way right now. Students are learning more about their world probably than I'd hope they are than they'd ever thought possible. Um, I know in our econ class, the first, we, we watched the stock market absolutely collapse on us uh, the week leading up to the shutdown. And I think that was a valuable thing for students that I can sit and talk about three years from now, but my class learned it. They lived it. And um, I was just kind of there to be the, the tour guide of it. So um, there's going to be pluses and minuses like anything. I just... I hope that we can either get back to normal in the fall or at least have a, a plan to make this a little more normal um, with quotations around it um, for, for students to, to really progress their learning, especially skill-based. Yeah, absolutely. I agree 100%. Um, is there any last like comments or concerns that you wanted to add to all of this to sort of wrap it up? Or um, There's really been two things that I've – 
I've learned one. Um, I think we've all realized a little bit how lucky we are to have the, um, the drag of the everyday school life. I think a lot of us might look at that um, a little differently. That'll eventually wear off when we get back to it. Um, but I think a lot of us miss that interaction of students and teachers and um, being a part of a, a classroom is, has really been lost in this. And I'm, I'm hopeful that uh, students can continue to socially develop. And the other part that's been amazing to me is how some students, or a lot of students, have really just kind of taken this and said, well, it is what it is. And the maturity level of a lot of students has been surprising. Obviously, you've got kids that are a little behind and stuff, but um, it's, it's like I said, it's been a drastic change for the world. And um, it's been an interesting observation point to be a teacher at this time. And uh, something I'll probably talk about for the next 30 years of teaching about to kids, you know, you're kind of lucky when you're sitting in that desk and sometimes you don't realize it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I know I speak for all of your students, or at least most of them, when I say you've done amazing, and we're all really grateful for the work that not just you, but all of the teachers that have been doing, and we're just really grateful for that. So well, thank we're, you. We're grateful for students that keep wanting to learn. And um, all right, sounds good. I really appreciate it. Thank awesome. you. Awesome. Have a good day, Amanda. Thank you. You too. Bye. Hi, Sophia. How are you today? Hi, I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I'm good, thanks. All right, so if you just wanted to start off by telling um, us a little bit about yourself, like your academic career and stuff. Okay, I'm a junior, and I go to high school in Frisco, Texas, and um, I would say I'm a pretty decent student. I'm in the top 10% of my class, and I make straight A's, and it's not fun, <laughs> and it's difficult, but um, I do stay up on the higher um, grade level, so yeah, and I'm pretty heavily involved at my school, but yeah, just in summary, I'm I'm a pretty decent student, I would say. Yeah. Awesome. Congratulations. So Thank you. How <laughs> how has doing online schooling impacted your grades? Um at first it was it was a bit of a struggle for me because I, I couldn't really keep up with everything that was being assigned to me. And um I was struggling with getting assignments done just because I had other things going on at home and just like in my life. But um I've made I've managed to to pull out with decent grades because my school is actually ending our marking period May 11th. So it's kind of wrapping up right now, but um, thankfully I managed to get it together. But at first it was, it was a struggle and I, I had some, some pretty low, I honestly, I actually had some C's for a while there and it was, it was a little, a little scary, but um, yeah, it was, it was rough. Yeah. Did you want to talk a little bit about um, your petition and what your opinions were in terms of what your school should have done with grades? Yeah. Okay. So um, personally, I believe that we should have opted for a pass fail option instead of um, weighing everything in to our GPAs that's been going on calculating this this quarter into our GPA. Um, so I actually started a petition on change.org and um, it was to Frisco ISD's superintendent, Mike Waldrip, and it was advocating for this quarter to not be um, calculated into our grade point averages because of several inequalities. I thought that it was it wasn't fair how um, lack of internet and things like that, like it could disproportionately affect people of different privileges. And a lot of students have mental health problems that are going on right now because I know a lot of anxieties are really high and students are working to support their families or they have to babysit their, their siblings while their parents work or they could be sick. And also the taking into account a lot of the cheating that's been going on. I just really didn't think that it was fair or an accurate representation of our academic abilities. So I started that to kind of voice my opinion on that. And actually it got pretty, 
pretty popular for a while, and I, I got a pretty decent amount of signature. I got a couple hundred signatures in the first first hour, and then the second hour, we were almost breaking 500, and then uh, my school principal actually requested that I shut it down. Why did she request that you shut it down? Did she threaten you in any way? Not threaten. That's kind of bold, but did she, like... um tell you that there would be any repercussions if you kept it up yes um so i'm also a part of student council it was basically implied to me that if i did not delete my petition that i would be um faced with losing my representation and my role in student council so that wasn't really something that i was willing to just give up but um it was mentioned to me that i was not upholding the titan values titan is my mascot for my school and that i wasn't really setting a good example for my peers but um i personally don't believe that that's true i think that what i did um, actually is kind of something that I think a, a lot of other students my age, I wish that they would do and kind of voice their opinions in a, in a civil and peaceful manner. But um, yeah, I was essentially <clears throat> going to be faced with consequences if I didn't take it down. So I decided that it wasn't really, in the end of the day, it wasn't worth me losing that role. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I think your petition was a great thing. So how did your school end up dealing with the grading system? What was the conclusion that they came to? So it was said to us that <clears throat> our grades for this quarter were going to be calculated into our GPA. However, we are ending our grades May 11th. So um, we're ending the academic year a little early. However, we still will be having schoolwork. So at the end of the day, it did switch to pass-fail May 11th, but it's only going to be pass-fail so that we have enough days to um, conclude the school year without having to make up any days and not have to start school earlier in the year. But um, so essentially everything that happened throughout the coronavirus thing for the academic year is going to be weighted into our grades. And how is all of this impacting your future? For example, with colleges or anything else, your senior year, any of it? Um, so I know that a lot of colleges are actually dropping standardized testing requirements. And so like the UCs and Berkeley, obviously, and UCLA and um, Boston College and Cornell. And that's really that's a that's really an encouragement for me because I personally have always struggled with that because I'm not super strong in the STEM and math area. But at the same time, I've also heard rumors that our grades aren't going to be really as valid as they would have been because they have to take into account the um, ability to cheat and how how you can find answers online and not really put your own effort into your work. And so our GPA might not be um, as helpful as we might have hoped, which is really kind of problematic for students who had struggled freshman and sophomore year and are kind of trying to make up for a junior year and also how junior year is evidently supposed to be the most important year of high school because it's uh, the year that you're supposed to show your growth and really stand out for colleges so I think that's going to be an issue yeah absolutely um going back a little bit how has doing distance learning impacted your mental health um, I've struggled a lot with motivating myself and kind of trying to manage my productivity because it hasn't really been easy. I get really distracted easily and I have to help my mom with a lot of things. So it's just been kind of hard for me to sit down for a straight four hours or five hours or however long and just commit myself to doing that. And um, I've just been kind of anxious because I don't know where to start because it feels like there's so much all at once. And I have a lot of things that I'm working on outside of school. And so it's just kind of a little bit overwhelming. But I feel like I've kind of gotten a little bit more adjusted to it and I've I've tried to make the, the best of the situation and really just kind of schedule myself out and kind of set my priorities straight, but it's, it's been rough. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what is something that you want your teachers to know or understand if you could just tell them one thing? Um, I would thank them for the grace that they have shown us because I, I will admit that it, they have been, a lot of them have been more lenient and that's amazing because we are people, but um, some of them really, I don't think that they understand that their course is not the only course load that I have and that a lot of things are going on right now 
outside of school that people need to focus on so they can't necessarily dedicate their entire their entire life right now to school because this is a time of a lot of struggles for families not even just financially but health wise and just socially like trying to keep up with everything going on in your life and your family and watching after siblings and like I said earlier but I think that it's really nice that a lot of them have been really gracious but at the same time I think that some of them need to understand that we are also people and we're struggling as well yeah absolutely I agree 100 percent so how is the um, access to electronics in Texas like do you guys get a computer from your school for the year or how does that work so I think it really just depends on your socioeconomic level, but um, there are a lot of resources available if you if you pursue them. So we have a free reduced lunch program at my school where if your family is in a certain tax bracket or you make a certain amount of money or like your annual gross adjusted income, whatever, if you apply for that, then they will give you resources if you ask for it. So I had to go up to my school at the beginning of the COVID um, outbreak and I requested a Chromebook because that wasn't just given to us, but that's been a resource that I've been really using lately and I've been kind of reliant upon, but they are, there are a lot of opportunities if you, if you pursue them, but they haven't really openly advertised them as much as I think that they should. But from what I hear, there's also a Wi-Fi thing that they've been offering where you can get Wi-Fi extended to your house for the school hours so that they can um, kind of help students get their, their work done. So I think that's great. Oh yeah, that's awesome for sure. So do you know anybody that doesn't have access to a computer during this um, online? Or do you think that everybody who needs one has one as far as like in um, Texas? In your I, area? I, I definitely wouldn't say that everyone who needs one has one, but um, I don't particularly know any one student who doesn't, but I do know several students who have to share one computer with their siblings. And that can be a lot of work, especially when y'all are all in high school and it's a bunch of high, bunch of high school kids and they have to study for AP exams or do their their work and participate in extracurriculars I think it can be really hard to find a happy medium and kind of a a balanced equilibrium for each sibling to get the same amount of time and have the same amount of opportunity to um, accomplish all their work and keep up with everything that they've been keeping up with yeah absolutely um do you have any finishing remarks on honestly anything that we've talked about anything that you think is really important and that you didn't get a chance to say Um, I would just like to really emphasize the fact that internet inequality now is being even more highlighted than it was before and I think that we've known that it's been a problem for a while but I think that this could hopefully be a beneficial first step in kind of shedding light on that and maybe helping get some exposure out there and kind of change people's perspectives and maybe start a call to action on how to fix that and kind of help people in lower economic groups get more access to things that they need for school and other educational opportunities. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Well, thank you so much, Sophia, for um, doing this interview. I really appreciate it. Um, If you guys want to check Sophia out, she does have a blog. It's called Growing. It's really, really, really good. And you guys should yes, all go check you. it out. Um, yeah, thank you. Thank You're you incredible. Um, I really appreciate you. All right. Thank you all so right, much. Bye. All right. Bye. All right. Hi, Andy. Welcome. Hi. All right. So first off, um, do you want to just tell me about yourself a little bit? Like what kind of student you are, what grade you're in, that kind of thing? Yeah. Okay. So, um, I'm a second semester senior. Uh, at this point, I just call myself an incoming freshman because I'm so checked out from high school that it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it's even happening anymore. Um, and as a student, I'd say I was like, I'm pretty interested in learning. I love it in all of its forms. I like, it's, 
so I, I would always really try and challenge myself and try and figure out the most interesting things about each topic, no matter maybe like science or history, and try and delve deeper into those things. Because if I'm not interested in something, I don't like to do it. And schooling been going for you. Like, how has it impacted your grades and your ability to learn subject material? Um, <laughs> I don't think I've learned anything since the week before we, like, the last week that we had in person. Because yeah, I agree. Is it difficult since you are a senior about to graduate to find any motivation since it feels like you're done with high school? A hundred percent. Um, especially since like I've committed to a school and what like in committing to a school, the next step is like, oh, you do planning and you talk to an advisor and there are admitted students days and like the second semester of senior year really like even when you're in school everybody talks about the senior slide and senior writers because you're you're really checked out because you have all this planning to do for the next four years and then the only thing that's really like grounding you back to high school is one the fact that you have to go there every day and two like the senior year activities like oh senior skip day or prom and that's what really like tethers you to still being a high schooler but since those like traditions are gone it there's almost no motivation whatsoever yeah i can totally see that congratulations by the way big college yeah college. all right so how has doing online schooling versus going to school affected your mental health this is a really big question and i think it's a really important um conversation that we need to have just like in general because like for me it's been difficult because sometimes home is not the greatest place for me to be and I know that I'm still like privileged because I have been able to continue getting access to like therapy I see my my um, therapist over zoom or, like, I can still have access to my medications that help me manage my anxiety and my depression. But for anybody isolating, staying at home all the time, it's going to take a negative effect on your mental health. Especially those who already struggle with it. And then, like, taking away all the things that you use to, like, get through each day. Like, activities or going out and seeing friends and family. It's really difficult. Um, And then you add in the fact that you have this whole burden of, oh, there's a whole pandemic going on outside and my life kind of feels like everything's on pause, but I still have to write a paper today. Right. Is there anything else that you feel you want other people to understand about distance learning or any other like super crucial opinions you have or anything? Um. Super crucial opinions doesn't have to be about the coronavirus. Um, I I think that we just have to make sure that we're taking care of each other and we're Mm -hmm. thinking about everybody when we make our decisions. There's so many layers. Absolutely. Like, 
this is mm-hmm. exposing things that I, I knew, but I didn't really know, is we see, like, how are elementary schoolers and kindergartners supposed to deal with this gap? Because kindergartners, yeah. are, what are they going to do? Go to a Zoom meeting and talk about today's assignments? Kindergartners yeah. are about, like, learning how to be social and be around other children and getting, like, a school experience rather than learning addition and subtraction. So, to, yeah, absolutely. It's like, it's curbing kids' social, like, development. We're going to see kids who are way more connected to screens who are younger because that's the only way mm-hmm. they have access to learning material anymore. And right, I, I think I saw something about how this could be, like, our generation, Generation Z's renaissance because we're seeing like out of this come so many different pieces of art and pieces of literature and people are working and thinking and creating and there's like revolutions in the in the making and i think that i'm really excited to see what's going to come out of this even though i'm really sad that this is what it took because of course nobody yeah. wanted thousands upon thousands of people to die but coming out of this right I think we're going to have a more educated and compassionate populace. And that makes me really excited. And also, everybody needs a hobby. Um, I think that people should get hobbies. That's my opinion. Um, (laughs) Learn how to make your own clothes. Start gardening. Use TikTok to figure all these things out. I I found two hobbies through TikTok that I'm really excited to start. Uh, use TikTok. It's not just for children anymore. There's a lot of valuable education on it, actually. If you're looking for hot girls dancing, you can find them, but there's so much more than that on the platform. And uh, yeah, that's really, those are my controversial opinions, I'd say. You know what? I love it. I also think that bringing up, like, what this is pointing out in our society, especially with, like, the inequalities that we're seeing and hopefully that we see a change in that sort of thing specifically in education and in healthcare access um i'm hoping to really see a change in that sort of thing and i think that's really important that's a really important conversation that we have to have in times like yeah. this and it's sad that it had to come to this to talk two, about it. two issues that i'm really passionate about are uh like domestic violence uh, in sexual assault and gender-based mm-hmm. violence, as well as housing, mm-hmm. which are two kind of different things. But I'm, I'm hoping to go to <sighs> housing policy as my career. And the thing that we're noticing is, Ooh. how can you tell people they're safer at home when you don't have a home? And right. how can you say safer at home when home isn't safe? And those have been two questions Absolutely. that I've been like thinking like, oh, shit. Oh, oh, shoot. Like, like just because some people are safer at home doesn't mean everybody's safer at home. And how right. are we going to fix the fact that, like, when you tell people to stay home, they don't have anywhere to go? Or one of the right. biggest things I thought of was a couple weeks ago, there were really bad tornadoes in the South. And usually tornado protocol is, oh, well, either evacuate or come to, like, one of our shelters where we have, like, we take out a big high school gymnasium and we set up beds and everybody comes in and they're safer there. You can't do that when everybody can't be around each other. 
And where are you going to evacuate when there's nowhere to go? Right. Yeah, so just r slash I'm 14 and this is deep um, level thoughts that I have. Yeah, I think it's it's like we've said a million times. It's just really sad that it came to this to realize it. I mean, we look at like, I don't know, for me, I think back to I think it was in the 20s when like everyone was upset because workers weren't getting the right like treatment and stuff. And we see that, like, nowadays we see minimum wage workers that are still, like, considered essential and aren't getting paid or don't have sick leave and all that kind of stuff, even though the community still depends on yeah, them. Yeah, Let me not get started. But um, essential <laughs> workers aren't heroes. They are hostages. Yeah. Especially if you work in the fast food industry. Because. Absolutely. Because on one hand, who needs fast food? Like, is is this an essential service? On the other hand, yeah, we've made it so greasy, fried, fatty, but albeit delicious, food is the cheapest food that you can get. Um, I'm literally parked right. across from a Burger King right now, and you can get three double cheeseburgers for $3, and that includes a fry and a drink. That's like, insane. That's this is the type of food that we've deemed what people who don't have like if you have only five dollars and you need a meal for you, your wife, and your child, why wouldn't you buy three double cheeseburgers for three dollars? Why would you go to the grocery store and try and build a meal out of that when a loaf of bread is three dollars? When a gallon of milk is two fifty. Right. Like if fast food restaurants weren't open, the fact of the matter is a lot of people wouldn't eat because they couldn't afford right. it. I know I work at a um, at a fast food place and they have um, they posted this thing that was talking about like why we're still open during all of this and they were saying like this is the only place where a lot of people get their meals and it does like it's sad that it takes a pandemic to realize like all of these inequalities, not only in just our education and our healthcare and our housing, but also in the food yeah. we eat. These things start to be brought to the table now and we can start to find solutions. Yeah. But the, the question is they're being brought to the table, but who's gonna, what's going to change? Because like you see Jeff yeah. Bezos since the coronavirus, it's made $5 billion. That's insane. In like two months. That's insane. It it feels like a lot of this stuff, though, is everyone's going to forget about all of this as soon as something else happens. Like as soon as places start to open back up, we're going to go back to the same arguments that we were arguing about before the coronavirus like it's the same thing this has happened in like america's history multiple times we're like we'll go through a crisis everyone will say this is what we need we need workers rights we need better food whatever and then it just doesn't happen because we move on and so hopefully we learn not to move on from this too damn straight dang can i cuss 
Um, yeah, I think so. Damn straight. I, I, I mean, I hope to just bleep it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's I mean, a good maybe, idea. Or don't, because it's raw, it's real. Yeah, exactly. This is truly how we're feeling yeah, in the moment. I, I hate the patriarchy. That doesn't have anything to do with it. But I do yeah. too. I mean, it does, but it doesn't. Yeah, no, we've got a lot of fixing to do. So, America, the government, if you're listening, you have exactly. a lot to fix. So, let's get on it, please. <laughs> All right, well, thank you so much, Indy. I really appreciate it. I hope you have a great day. And All right, bye-bye. Soon. Bye. All right. If you made it this far, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I really appreciate it. And I hope you guys are all staying healthy and sane during these really tough times, especially if you are in school or if you are a teacher. Um, We're really grateful for all of you guys. Uh, Yeah. So I promise next month's episode will be a little bit shorter and more concise. I just really wanted to get some great input from some amazing people. And I'm super grateful for you guys listening to this. And I will see you guys next month. Thanks so much. Bye.